What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller. Hello, Tim. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little mad at Def Jam. Just as a group you, right now. You, you can't you can't let Def Jam play with your feelings because the I've been going video games. For a while. Blessing well, Eddie Oyeji. Was there a rumor Def Jam was going to put out a new video game today? Oh, of course. Well, they do this. They do this notoriously. Really. <laughs> Yeah, like mm. this is this is not the first time where they've teased a Def Jam thing or like talked about the Def Jam game and then followed up with nothing. At, the, at this some, point, okay. I'm like, I'm not, I don't care what? anymore. I don't, we I don't, got, I don't trust y'all. We got the former informer Imran Khan. Now you got your 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 nose to the streets when it comes to the your the, nose the, to the streets, smelling <laughs> <laughs> news and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. Imran? What do you know about this Def Jam? They've situation. been teasing some Def Jam thing for like three years. I'm not sure that they're ever actually like, as far as I know, no one at EA has ever said, yeah, we're making a new Def Jam. So I think it's just like, we'd really like to make a new Def Jam. Let's just keep teasing it until they do it. But did you see this most recent tease? Because it's some not. bullshit where <laughs> Def Jam Recordings tweets out a screenshot from what seems to be Def Jam Vendetta. Vendetta. And it says the streets saying we need a new Def Jam game. The streets are saying that. I think no, uh, the Imran had his nose on the street and he has smelled that. <laughs> That's as a yeah. vibe. Exactly. But then they followed that up the next day with once our Twitter hits 1 million, we have a special announcement for y'all with a game <laughs> controller emoji. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They then hit a million. And nothing. And, and yet we get nothing. <laughs> Take back your follow, Tim. Unfollow. Yeah. I didn't, I never, I didn't follow. Go with your wallet. They, they had already hit a million. I don't know, man. This seems like bullshit to me. It, do you do you think there's a chance we ever get a new Def Jam? Because I don't. Like, I've I don't already either. given it up. What would that even look like nowadays? Who's even on Def Jam besides Gene now? Uh, it's J. Cole on Def Jam? No. I'm looking it up. Because I cannot J. Cole tell you off the top. I don't know. Man. True story. I didn't know until right now that the fighters in Def Jam were Def Jam artists. Yeah. Wow. They were. learn something <laughs> new every day. You know, you do learn something new every day. Kanye, right Kanye here West is Def Jam. Kind of funny games cast. So I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at the the roster right now. We got zero seven zero Shake, who is awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. They make great music. Alessia Cara, who's who I Fantastic. know from from the Logic one eight hundred song, but I know she makes songs elsewhere. I'm not saying that's that's where that's <laughs> the only thing she does. That's just what your touchstone for her. Yeah, that's that. my touchstone. Big gotcha. Sean, who I think would be a, a great in a fighting game. Sean White. No, that's a different Sean. No, I'm talking about right. Big Sean. Uh, he made this song, I Don't Fuck With You. Great Is song. Sean White the I snowboarder? You? Last skateboarder. Wait, what? He's the snowboarder's last no. skateboarder. Don't give him the satisfaction. Don't give him the satisfaction. You can tell his <laughs> smug look. He was fucking excited to like, teach us something. No, I just remember because like he had a video game that was like heavily based on Wrigley's gum or something like that. They're, Sean like, White? <laughs> yeah, that product placement was just fucking everywhere in that game. In the Sean well, White remember? That's where he started with skateboarding, and then he transitioned over into snowboarding, and that's when mm-hmm. he started winning the Olympic uh, medals, being the flying tomato. I but don't if know you remember I the first it. time I ever heard of Sean White was when he was a, he was just a little boy, no bigger than a pumpkin, uh, riding skateboards on some MTV thing, and he collided with his partner and he got knocked out, and then his partner ran over there like a moron and picked him up and was like swinging around his dead body, like no, nah, somebody gets knocked down, let him you know keep their 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 neck steady, right, Kevin? You don't get up there and start swinging the body around. Absolutely, you got to keep him down. 
So this is the kind of funny games cast each and every week right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. We get together to talk about video games and all the things that we love about them. You can get the show ad free by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like our Patreon producers, Muhammad Muhammad, Julian, the gluten-free gamer, skin tight salmon, Jeffrey P long. Now you can't forget the P there. It's very important. Jeffrey P P long time is what I call him. Giving him an extra P there. Okay. Okay. Sancho West and James Hastings. Thank you all for making this show happen for people that want to watch it later for free on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or on your favorite podcast service. Just search for kind of funny games cast. We're going to be right there for you. Um, I want to just get right into what we've been Me playing. too. That's why, Kevin, I'm sending you right now this link to YouTube video where Sean White collides with this guy. I timestamped <laughs> oh, it for you. Now, I, I timestamped it for you, but if you want to start at the very beginning, it starts with Diamond Dallas Page uh, introducing. Tim, I don't know what MTV show this is. Tim, just to be clear, I, I don't have to show this. You go for it. Why not? I don't There's know. No you think Viacom PBS is going to come for us? You think they're going to come for us? Uh, as as I mean, Kevin's prepping this very important thing, I want to point out, I was... I, I didn't read off the names from Def Jam that were that are probably gonna be most consequential to this fighting game. Logic is on Def Jam, who like come on, Logic's gotta come be on. in there. Yeah. Kanye I know Logic West, from his collab with that woman. Kanye West is on Def Jam and like who doesn't want to beat up Kanye gray. West? <laughs> <laughs> uh Justin Bieber's on Def Jam. Interesting. Like these are names. Uh, Janae these I, are names. I don't know if this is okay, but I don't know what Def Jam is, and and we've been talking about it for a while. So <laughs> the record <laughs> label, popular record labels. Yeah. Oh. All right. So here you go. Here, hit it. Fabulous. Watch this. Little, little baby Sean White. Watch this. Oh. And then let, it's gonna go to an interview, but stay with it. Stay with it, Kevin. Don't panic, Kevin. Don't hit anything. He's okay, right? No, Sean White never lived again. But look, they pick his body right up. Let him be. He's knocked down. Leave him alone. He's down. He's down. Here's the problem, Greg. He's got. There's other skateboarders around, Uh and you know how skateboarding is. is. It's like a rocket. Once once you're on, you know, at at any point you just kill a person next to you. I watched that movie 90s, mid 90s, and let me tell you, I know what all these kids are doing. They take a fucking drag off their doobie, then they drop in and they harsh the gnar and they hit each other. They don't know anything about medical procedures. They leave the fucking kid down. Let a medical. uh, You got EMTs there at the X Games. Get over there. So let me. I just hit my teeth together. Let me ask you guys this: since I haven't even had a busanya, (laughs) AKI is not really making wrestling games anymore. So that that's a that's a potential problem for a new Def Jam wrestling game. What if they just go full ass anime fighter? Arxis makes a new Def Jam game. Oh. Would that be better or worse? Better. I mean, way that's better. Thing. So, I mean, here, here's the deal. When you look at the Def Jam games, uh, off the top of my head, there have been three. There was Def Jam Vendetta, which was the wrestling game that mm-hmm. was all yeah. right, fun but all right. Then there was Def Jam Fight for New York, Def Jam Takeover Fight for New York. I think it was called. That was more of a fighter. That was more of like a, a 3D fighter brawler game mm-hmm. correct yeah. yes vendetta one, actually took place in a rest in a ring. ring yeah yeah whereas fight for new york took place in the streets the way it in should the be. fucking streets and it was awesome that game was fucking incredible and i want a remake of that with modern rappers that would be amazing then there was yes. def jam icon and that game was absolute trash i want nothing <laughs> to do with it pretend it doesn't exist and let's move on that was See, a ps3 360 game with, weirdly with, enough i don't I don't know how this is. I guess this, this, this is the topic of conversation because Def Jam was Sweden. But literally right before this, I was listening to Giant Bombcast and Jeff Gertzman was going to the mat defending Def Jam icons, saying that it was actually a pretty decent game. I never it played it, so I can't judge. It was very, very, very bad. Was Def Jam Rap Star good? 
Oh, Def Jam Rapstar was fantastic for one reason to me personally, which was my very first E3 was when uh, they were promoting that game. And I happened to be walking by the booth right when Method Man and Red Man went on stage to perform. And when I say stage, I mean platform that was about 12 inches off the ground. And I was this far from both of them. And no one at E3 gave a fuck. And me and Alfredo are like, are you fucking kidding me? It's Method and Red right here in front of us. And none of these jabronis even give a shit. You know what I'm talking about, Greg? I see that look on your face. I'm nodding. I, I was I, I was I was one of the jabronis probably. Like, oh man, cool. The how high guys are here. Yeah. <laughs> what an American Dude, classic. How can you forget to mention that the takeover is the PSP version? And they have a normal version. GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox. Fake but PSP. Fan. Amazing, you know I mean? Fuck I miss it. What the hell just happened? Did you I guys just have a weird audio crossfade issue where like everything just canceled each other out? Greg and I Kevin heard. I, all, just, all I heard was Greg saying "fake fan" and Kevin saying something in the background. And I heard yes. none of it. Yeah, the, they hit a frequency that kind of just went. <laughs> Anyways, I was gonna have a beautiful segue uh, from Greg's skateboarding video into my impressions of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, oh my god! Oh, uh, Barrett and I got our hands on the demo. Uh, we did a first impressions. You can check that out on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games or pod, podcast feed. Search for first impressions. Um, I just want to say, I don't want to talk too long about it. It's utterly fantastic. Everything they're doing with this game is more than I could have asked for. It feels right. It, it seems like a, a beautiful make good for the decade plus of horrible Tony Hawk games. Um, the only criticism I have is they added uh, sound effects where the, the characters have way too whoa. many voices. It's a lot of that, Greg. It's a whoa. lot of, whoa, ha, oh yeah, woohoo. This, like, this reminds no, me of the no. time I ran into Sean White. <laughs> and, 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 and don't quite go on that long. There's not, not, there are more efforts as opposed to words. Uh, but man, it's besides that, and I hope you can turn that off because it's going to get real annoying. It's like the like, Mario Game Boy Advance games where they like took all the 2D games, just put every sound effect possible in there. Exactly. Okay. Like, why would you give Yoshi that voice? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> he doesn't need it, especially from the tinny ass GBA speakers, where you're mm. just like, "Can you please stop this hell?" Uh, but no. Besides that, all the quality of life stuff are—it's just fantastic. I, we already knew that the games were going to adapt the gameplay mechanics from the later Tony Hawk games, like three and four. Um, but they went all out with it, where there's the trick modifiers, there's the acid drops, there's uh, the, all the flatland special tricks, and, and you get to do all that in the demo. Like, the demo's pretty bare bones, but when you start digging through the menus, uh, you can start to find a lot of hidden secrets and, and fun things. You can actually change it back to a more classic mode where it plays exactly like Tony Hawk 1 or Tony Hawk 2. Um, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but it's there <laughs> for you if you want the more pure uh experience of the the ogs but there's little things like obviously we know that music's so important to these games um and they have the the soundtrack that is the original from one and two plus 37 new songs they're all mixed together you can go into a playlist and choose what songs you like and what songs you don't you just turn songs off which is a nice feature but on top of that the songs never stop playing so it's not like you do a two-minute run and the song ends when you're done and you load up a next one, a new song plays the songs play through the menu, like just endlessly, which is really cool and seamless. And you can hit R three at any time to skip to the next track. Hmm. So it's like, it's just little things that I'm like, man, these motherfuckers, they thought about like <laughs> what people are going to care about. And they just have really, really done a good job with it. I can't wait to play more. Uh, Imran, have you got to play it at all? No, I was, cause I figured it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Anyway, I was probably just going to wait. But now I kind of really want to try the warehouse demo because that all sounds super cool. Like it sounds it's like awesome. a game like people who are 
big Tony Hawk fans. They're just been like kind of watching in the background, like, why the fuck are these motherfuckers messing all this up? Like, they, this would be so easy. They actually made the game they want to make. Absolutely. And so far, they're nailing it. What I love so much is I've, it's a two-minute demo that doesn't even have goals in it, and your stats are all the way down. So it's like you can't really do too much. Um, but already me and Barrett have been texting each other back and forth, like outdoing each other's combos and uh, uh, runs and, and single session. And it reminded me a lot less of when uh, Mario Odyssey came out and you and Barrett oh, would yeah. go back and forth with the Cooper races and stuff. And it's just like, I, I love that type of arcade gameplay and I love it when it, it turns into a competition with your friends. Um, but I also love what it's like, you kind of start creating your own goals where I'm like, all right, I have these three specials. I want to make sure that I hit a 900, a McTwist and uh my special 5-0 grind all in one combo and then you know 10 minutes later after failing and failing and failing like you get it you're just like hell yeah baby and i'm, uh, I'm so happy at that i'm so happy with the return of this because I, I i've also gotten to, to get my hand on the the warehouse demo and it's been so interesting playing this back to back with skater xl where skater xl i've complained for weeks about it being just so empty as far I've as complained for going. weeks about this game i don't stop playing and i don't and, that, and that's the thing is i don't stop playing the game like i am like fully addicted to skater xl and the way I, the way i've described it on shows now is that like it is it, i am at the point where the streets are my content like i'm going on the streets and i am i am essentially approaching this game as if i'm skateboarding in real life where i'm like all right well it's not really there's not really a point system there's not there aren't really like goals or challenges or like you know specific things that are set out for me to do but i'm gonna go out here i'm gonna do combos and i'm gonna uh essentially skate for myself and playing that warehouse demo soul which skater. doesn't what was that you're a soul skater soul is that what they call it a soul skater mm-hmm. damn People that's like uh it's, it's, from the, man. it's from like one game the suds and puds <laughs> or whatever the suds and puds it's brink and motherfuckers brink. <laughs> so, the movie. Uh, and what team were they team pup and suds so fucking close so that Imran, is, I get that point, right? You should, yes. Thank you. That is a soul Close skater up. is like the same kind of corny shit that where um I, I I remember watching Step Up 3D and they had what they had um people that were called born from a boombox B-Fab, uh, which was like the corniest shit ever, of course, because <laughs> it's a dance movie and they needed like some, some kind of weird term to describe people who dance. Um but hey, yeah, hey, I mean, real quick blessing, when you were break dancing, what was your troop called? What did what did you call each other? When you uh, I was part of multiple dance teams. Uh there was two one, of them. Uh, I, there was one in college that I started that was called Ill Pandemic. That was essentially I took that name from a childish Gambino song where he rapped like Ill Pandemic, blah blah. blah. Uh, so that was you. one. I'm glad to see you back in your youth. You liked making fun of pandemics. Glad that blew up in your face. <laughs> Take a serious subject. <laughs> like I was, I, I, did, I could not have predicted in 2012 or whatever uh, where we'd be <laughs> where we'd be today. Maybe I would have second thought that. Uh, that was one, and then there was another one called Footwork Technicians because it was like a breakdancing oh, thing. We're that's really, good. We're, that's good. yeah, we're really good at footwork, and so yeah, we we're Footwork Technicians. There's another one called Sudden Impact. Um, I think that might have been it for the, okay. for the dance games. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as as far as skateboarding games, I I think I mentioned on this show a few weeks ago that like at a certain point, one's got to reign supreme, right? In this return of all these different skating games between Skater XL and Session and Tony Hawk and skate for and I'm, I'm at the point where i'm on the opposite side of it now where i'm like the more the merrier like after having all my phone skater xl after jumping into the warehouse demo and being like oh yeah even without objectives like i'm still having a blast there's there's something about the pure act of skating in a video game that's just that is just fun regardless and i don't know what is unique about skating as opposed to every other activity in video games that by itself it can just be fun but it works i'm all about it 
I can't yeah. stop thinking about you saying the streets are my content. And I feel like that would be a great like <laughs> life slogan. There's you, a video. And Imran that. knows all about them streets and how they smell. <laughs> you know, I will say the last thing I'll say about Tony Hawk is it's so weird to have a physical reaction to a game that I haven't had in in 15 years, probably, where my thumbs hurt. Like the <laughs> skin is just burned off from the like hour that I've played this game already. I'm just like, oh man. I got a lot of pain coming for me in the next month or two, but bring it on. Baby. <laughs> bring it on. Real quick, uh, speaking I, I of pain, question. yeah. So you're blessing. You're talking about how you know, like now, the more the merrier kind of thing. Is this going to be one of those situations where Skate Four or whatever they're going to call it is going to show up in two, three years, and it's going to be like at four a.m. and the party's over and everybody's passed out or gone home or puking <laughs> outside? Like, is it still going to continue that much? Do you think? Where like, is there such I, an appetite for skating games that that'll still be a thing? I think yes, because I think the the thing the thing about it is Skater XL isn't doing it. Like Skater XL is fun, and Skater XL is kind of getting the job done for what it wants to be and what it uh-huh. needs to be. But I, I I think there's still more of a craving for something that is more polished and something that is more content filled and something that will have more features and and more of the nuts and bolts out of what you want out of a skate game. I okay. think Skater XL for now, like. Because skater skate four is probably not going to be here for another like three or four years. For now, Skater XL can hold it down, and Session when that comes out will probably hold it down for the time being. But when Skate Four comes out, I think that'll then probably make Skater XL and Session obsolete, unless those games find ways to uh, really enhance the experience past what a skate can do. I think okay. the appetite for the sixty dollars skate game is probably long dead. So like the the forty and below probably there. So depending on how EA prices that thing and what the scope of that development is. It should still be fine in a couple Maybe of years. Maybe it'll be $70. Maybe it'll be $70 in a row. In a row. Oh. Oh. We'll see. <laughs> Speaking of games that are way, way too expensive, it's finally time, guys. <laughs> I've been playing Fast and Furious Crossroads. Oh, I know everybody has been waiting. Where's Tim's opinion on this? And I was like, we could do a first impression. It's like, no, 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 no. I need to save this for the kind of funny games cast. Guys, I'm about halfway through this game. I've heard that the campaign is about five hours. So I've played two and a half hours. It legitimately feels like I've been playing this game for 20 hours. It is <laughs> for a game called Fast and Furious. It might be the slowest, like least thrilling game I have ever played in my life. Like it is so snail paced. Even when you're going fast and there's crazy stuff happening. I'm just like, oh, my God. Now, bless. I'm gonna throw something at you. Real quick, did, did you might be able to relate to Imran. There's a chance you do too. Greg Miller, not a chance, and fuck, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about here. A game called 007 Nightfire. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. The driving. Do one, you yeah. remember the motorcycle missions? I remember you're them being on the highway awful. and you're just kind of like bobbing and weaving through traffic that's coming at you. I remember that being one of the most exciting things I've ever done in a video game. Maybe I'm thinking the wrong thing then, but I remember, but mo- I remember Bond motorcycle missions. It's just PS2 era video game goodness where it's just like, mm. fuck it. Just go fast. You're on a motorcycle. If you crash, you die. <laughs> You're just going through and it, it feels good. It was it was that sense. It was back when Need for Speed Underground had first invented that whole blur effect when you're driving and just makes you feel like you're going fast. That's Fierce Crossroads doesn't have any of that. No, mm-hmm. you're going it slow. It the burnout effect. Oh, no, not at all. You're just kind of going through this shit, and it looks like 007 Nightfire on the PS2. <laughs> but it just doesn't give me that thrill that I See, got. See, as you were describing it, the thing that came to mind for me was Spy Hunter on the PS2, Ooh. which I feel like has kind of a similar feeling of, 
all right, yeah, this is kind of a, it's a, I mean, no pun intended, it is a fast and furious game, right? Like you're driving a car and you're causing chaos, but it doesn't, that game doesn't necessarily have a feeling of speed. And the more, the more I look at Fast and Furious Crossroads, the more I'm like, oh man, this kind of reminds me of Spy Hunter, except I like Spy Hunter. I don't know if I'm going to like Fast and Furious Crossroads when I play it. So that's the thing, Bless. You nailed it. It's funny you brought up Spy Hunter. It exactly, this is a sequel to Spy Hunter. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much for this. <laughs> God. I mean, even just looking at it now, having just played Fast and Furious Crossroads, I'm mad at how oh, this is more James fun Bond. this looks like. Yeah. Yeah, this I, is James I Bond. Fast Crossroads Furious. for a second. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, this I, is I was like, oh man, this game looks better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but you see the sense of speed you're getting here? Like, this just isn't in the game. And I'm like, how do you manage to fuck up literally the first word in the title of this thing? And the Spy Hunter comparison is very apt where uh, it often is less about racing and more about weird gadgets or hacking vans in front of you or, um, you know, following different police cars and seeing where they end up going and all this stuff. None of it fun. Um, The one thing that I will say that makes this game absolutely worth it is the bonkers ass Fast and Furious story. Is Vin Diesel there? Yeah, dude. Yeah, he is. Michelle Rodriguez? Bet your damn ass. Tyrese? Mm-hmm. Any of the other actors? No. No, they didn't make the cut. But we do get them. And then we also get two new characters. Uh, the main new character, played by uh, the the woman from Walking Dead and Star Trek Discovery, Greg? Oh. Oh. Um, well, Michael Sonique. Burnham. She's Michael Burnham in the thing. Yeah. Uh, Sonequa? Sonequa something. Baron something, I think. I'm on it. Um, Anyways, she's awesome. She's fantastic. And there's so many stupid Fast and Furious references. I was tweeting a couple of these um, as I was playing. But, like, you literally, within the first 10 minutes of the game, you you introduced to her car. Sonequa um, Martin-Green. There we go. Martin-Green, not Baron. Um, and you, it's a 69 blue Camaro. Nice. And they reference that, like, oh, they fished it out of a, a lake in Florida. And I'm like, oh, my God. They're legit referring to the car that Paul Walker and Tyrese drove into the lake at the end of too fast too furious that's awesome. <laughs> and it's like they they don't drive it home enough for people that like don't have a stupid knowledge of the fast and furious movies like me so i'm looking at this and i'm like somebody really cared making this like someone cared so much that suki is name dropped multiple times the the pink yeah. car driver the person who cares about this has a name, and it's Vin Diesel, all right? He's invented <laughs> a cinematic universe here, and he, I'm sure this was one of his things. Like, you all know the cinematic universe. We need to make sure everything is connected. Everything is connected. Can you the imagine? man's name is Andy Tudor, and he is the director of this game. And I've went down a rabbit hole of reading every interview that he has done <laughs> about it, and he cares. I didn't know someone cared about Fast and Furious more than me. He does. He cares a lot, Tim, and I appreciate it. How exciting it was for... What, Andy Tudor, you said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to go up to Vin Diesel and say, in the car? Yeah, it's the one from Fast 2. Vin wouldn't have done this one. Oh. No, I'm sure Vin oh, was like, I wasn't in thing. that one. I wasn't in that one. No, he knows it at this point. Yeah, anyways, the game is fucking ridiculous, and it's just it doesn't feel good to control. It doesn't <laughs> feel fast. It doesn't feel thrilling. And at the end of the day, I don't want to keep playing, but I have to get have to, to the end, Craig. I have to. So in the, um, in the, in the Vin Diesel video, video game cinematic universe of Riddick, Wheelman, this, mm-hmm. where does this sit? Oh, my God, dead last by, by a long shot. This is a $60 game, and there's a $30 season pass, which makes this a $90 experience. These motherfuckers are crazy. 
it's crazy. More movies content or I'm what? shocked they got Sonequa, what's his name, Martin Green? Martin Green. Mm-hmm. Martin Green in this game, and it doesn't have much care put into the actual game. When Vin like, Diesel calls, go, you answer. What are you talking about? How does it makes perfect sense? They spent all their money on getting her in this thing and getting a yeah, story. Yeah, but why do you get like? Because I understand Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez because they're in the fat. They're in Fast and Furious, but you're gonna sure. go. You're gonna put in the effort to add a new character who is Sonequa Martin Green from Walking Dead and Star Trek Discovery, and not put more effort into the like. Okay, guess who's gonna pat, pat, pop up in the next Fast and Furious movie now? Sneaker I mean, we'll see. And we'll people see. are going to be like, why is she here? I'm like, oh, you didn't play uh, Fast and Furious. What is it? Crossroads? You didn't play that? Yeah. I tell you. you and and she's, again, help. she's awesome. Her character's awesome. Like, her acting's really great. Some of the, like, the, the cutscenes and stuff, they're fun. Like, a lot of them are real dumb and the dialogue's real bad. Uh, but, like, she's she's kind of fun. Uh, her counterpart, Asia Kate Dillon, they're horrible. They might be the absolute worst modern voice actor I've I've come across and like I I recommend you all look up YouTube videos of Fast and Furious Crossroads just to see how stilted their dialogue can be and I just can't believe I can't believe that they'd get Sasha and then put her next to to this person that man like I don't know I'm just so scared that a game like this can make what what's up who's the person I'm trying to Google to see things Asia Kate Dillon they delayed this game like six months, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was supposed, it was supposed to come out in March, May, May. May. Okay. So Along like three months. So probably they only delayed it because of the movie and not because they were actually working on it. Yep. Mm. I don't think they've touched this. <laughs> if I'm being honest, in two years, it was the closer closed. for Game Awards. It was <laughs> yeah, the yeah, that's the thing. Like there are quite a few things about this that blows my mind. One is yes, it was the closer at Game Awards. Which wow! Uh, when you have the option to have Vin Diesel come, you let him pimp whatever it. he wants. But then also the fact that we're getting—we've gotten a movie license game of this ilk in 2020. I think that in itself is kind of a uh, kind of neat, honestly. <laughs> like and, and on, that's the thing, bless. I'm gonna give it to it. Like it is kind of neat. It it totally uh, is one of those shitty movies, movie license games. And playing through it, I'm just like, wow, this is such a nostalgia trip for something that I. I don't want back, but like I, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a very familiar feeling <laughs> playing this game. But uh, anyways, I, the fact that it's sixty dollars is just egregious. I will say, if you want an alternative to this, Spy Hunter Three on the PS2 oh. starred Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who yeah, is true. one of the stars of Fast and Furious uh, presents Hobbs and Shaw, and so you can play that and pre- and pretend that you're the Rock's character yeah. from Fast play, and Furious. Play Spy Hunter, play Wheelman, play them together, and you have a better game than this. Exactly. Exactly. So this game was is horrendously priced, but it's not the only game horrendously priced. Imran, what you been playing? <laughs> I have so after I finished Last of Us, I was like, okay, video games are kind of a bummer. I'm gonna play something like very small and like lighthearted. So I started playing I, Tim a couple of weeks ago. You mentioned you finally finished Peggle. I was like, I wonder if there's a Peggle on the iPhone. There is. It's Peggle Blast. It came out like three years ago. Downloaded that. Half that game is fucking amazing the other half is just pure unadulterated dog shit and i I'm cannot i cannot so believe. happy that there's another <laughs> human being that understands and is playing through pagel blast so what i was saying a couple weeks ago is that i've been going back and trying to three star all of it and i'm still mm-hmm. not there because it is impossibly difficult in in so many places i'm down to the last like 20 missions or so but pagel blast is one of the greatest video games to ever exist it is fantastic it is pagel at its best Playing these games vertically is how these things should be played. Yeah. 
having the ball bounce down like you're just there's so much more real estate to have so much more fun to be had so many more microtransactions to be had to oh. ruin the experience to know there, there's just no ends to how horrible it can be and I'm, and you're now experiencing it for the first time i am stuck on what it, it appears to be level 69 which is a <laughs> bunch of frozen red peggles in a random formation just coming across the screen in like music note form and it is, I have been playing this level for two weeks. I have not been able to beat it. And I assume it's because they want you to pay for like the flaming peggles or all that jazz. Cause it does not seem possible without that. I know people on Twitter Definitely have said is. it's possible. They've said like, oh, you don't have to pay for anything. It just takes a lot of tries and time. I can't see it. I can't actually see how that's done without it. So I beat the game without using any of those bottom left power up moves a single time. Mm-hmm. But I did, I what told you. You need to cheese this shit. And you, you're just cheesing the microtransactions because you're only allowed to play a couple times. But if you retry, if you reset your game before you lose, you get unlimited tries. It's annoying as shit, but it works. So I discovered that based on the fact that it was faster for me to close it and restart than it was to watch the ad. Mm-hmm. And this is my first like real exposure to mobile game ads. Mobile game ads are fucking stupid. They're just like, I'm 99% sure none of these games actually exist. I don't know what's going to happen if I click this ad, but it's not going to take me to a game. It's going to take me to some Russian site that like steals my credit card number. Virus. Yep. Yeah. Because it's all like, which of these two women is actually the shoplifter here? It's like, what What am I supposed to... What would this game actually be? Is it... Then almost all of them are... So, like, they will say, wait four seconds to press the X so you can like move past the ad but there's another like four seconds on another screen to move past the next part so this is one i can understand doing ads or doing microtransactions doing both seems like it's just too far and if if it were not for the ads if it were just like stamina and microtransactions i'd probably toss a couple of bucks there i'd probably be like okay sure i will i like this game enough i will give it a couple of dollars as like a tip jar and use it to spend past this fucking terrible level i'm stuck on but because it's both, there's like a part of my brain that's going like, they, that's what they want you to do. They want you to pay that money. <laughs> I and won't move give on it. I'm Imran. <laughs> I got to be principled about this. So the most likely situation is I'm just going to give up at some point. But I want to actually just beat this one level because I'm, it seems so incredibly, keep in mind, I'm not like, I'm someone who does not give up very easily on games for difficulty reasons. I will go through the hardest games and like the difficulty I'm on and not turn it down to, down to easy even if it does like annoy me but this one i'm just like there's i'm so close to just throwing my phone across the screen or across the room because it's so it's not not difficult for any good reason yeah that's the one overture that level sucks ass it's three stars baby three stars how tim how i don't understand let's go (laughs) oh man what a game I wish the, my problem with it is not only is it egregious as fuck, but they took Peggle one off like Peggle classic and Peggle nights is just gone from the app store and mm-hmm. you can't get those games anymore. The only Peggle nights is what I was looking for is blast. And it's so lame. Just play round guard. Just play round guard. With I play round, okay. So here's the thing. Here we go. I Here really comes like round guard. It's just, if it's, it's not in portrait mode and that becomes more annoying. It's a huge fair. issue, man. That's fair. That's fair. Like, if they just put that game in portrait mode, like, through a uh, patch or whatever, update or whatever, sure. I would love that game. It's a fantastic Peggle-like, but having to hold my phone with two hands means it's I have to, like, focus more on what I'm doing. It's not a thing I can play on, like, while I'm laying on my side in bed or things like that, which seem like nitpicks. 
But if I'm already playing a phone game, I want to play it that like one way. Remember, oh, for I think it's 25 bucks, maybe 20 bucks, you can buy it on PlayStation 4. So there you go, Imran. Just play it on a big screen TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> that seems like the exact same thing as holding a phone with both hands. But uh, sure. it's very big now. It's very big. <laughs> it's now. very, very big. That's true. Uh, bless. There's a game called Three Out of Ten that you want yes. to talk about. What, what is this? Yeah, so I got hit up to to preview this game. It's an indie game from the developers of Mother Gunship and what is the other game? Tower of Guns. Mm. And that would make you think, oh, man, okay, they're putting out a new first-person shooter that's going to be a roguelike kind of thing. And they're putting out a game that is the, the exact opposite. So 3 out of 10 is basically... It, it's hard to describe it in genre because it's kind of genreless, but it is closest to an adventure game where you're playing in episode one it is it is an episodic game so it's five episodes uh and it, right now it's exclusive to the epic game store and it's free uh which is pretty pretty awesome um but you're playing as a character named midge who comes to this studio called shovelwork studios and basically the whole the whole conceit of the game is shovelwork studios is the worst game development studio of all time they've never released a game that's gotten above a three out of ten um, and you're basically going through cheater? what is essentially a like a sitcom like it's they describe it as a video game sitcom it it is more analogous to something that's like adult swimish or like archer or something like that so you're just going through the motions and you're trying to figure out like as mid you're coming into the studio and you're going okay you guys never you, you guys never put out a game that's above a three out of ten what's going on here and you kind of go and the story kind of progresses from there and things kind of get uh ridiculous i previewed this game a couple weeks ago and just played episode one, and I'm I'm actually like really into it. I was not expecting to be as into it as I am. The writing's really funny. Um, again, for the folks who made Mother Mother Gunship and Tower of Guns, I was surprised that they're able to pull off a game that has such good humor and in character. Uh, the reason why I say it it feels like it's genreless is because it kind of bounces back and forth from the overworld stuff, which is more adventure game style into different mini games and the mini games actually make up a good portion of the actual whole game and so the game starts off and you're playing you're playing the game that they're developing that's that shovelworks studios is developing which is basically an endless runner and the joke the joke there is oh yeah we're making an, an endless runner but the twist is that it has an ending like that's like the the twist to the game that, that they're developing um and you you start off the game you're playing it and the whole thing is that the game sucks. And so you get to the end and you're like, okay, cool. And then you go into the you go into the overworld and you get into the story and then you jump back into different mini games based on the different activities that are going on uh, in the studio. Once again, it's, it's five episodes. All the episodes are free and they're coming out weekly. And I want to say the second episode comes out tomorrow. Uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed episode one. I actually can't wait to play the rest of them. This huh. sounds fascinating. Like... Listening to you describe all that, like everywhere I thought your senses were going to go, just went a totally different turn. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really it, interesting. It's really unique, and like, I, like there are games that do quirky stuff all the time. This this one somehow managed to grab me and get me interested. Like, I I don't think I I feel like not enough games really go for comedy in a way that is very much like a hey, this is a comedy game. Like we have our jazz punks in our Undertales in our Borderlands and stuff like that. Um, but I really appreciate how this game is going about it as being like a sitcomish sort of experience more than anything else. That's really like, so. How does that play out as a game, though? A sitcom. It's it's more adventure than gamey. Like the 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 
gamiest aspect of this game outside of just like the mini games that exist within the game are the fact that uh the with the more stuff you you do in the game the more stuff you discover uh during the overworld sections and the better you do in the mini games you get star ratings and you can compare those star ratings to your friends and so like you can end the episode with with let's say 23 stars because you got four stars in one mini game three stars in another mini game uh five stars just from talking to different characters in the overworld uh, and all this different stuff and yeah towards the end of the episode you have 23 stars you can compare to your friends like that is like the most gamiest aspect of this game overall but really it really what it comes down to is it is basically a very linear adventure game in terms of like you're talking to different characters trying to figure out what's going on and moving on to the next story beat in the overworld but then you're jumping into these different mini games which are all right here's an endless runner all right here is this match three game all right here is this this uh, quick beat-em-up game like it is them throwing throwing a bunch of different shit at you uh pretty rap well may not rapidly but throwing a lot of shit at you within one episode to kind of move you on to the next story beat um and again like it the game is pretty lighthearted in the way in the way that does it like it's not like an innovative sort of thing but i think it comes together in a pretty fun way cool yeah. the other two games you want to talk about were uh vr games fight crab and fit xr so fight What's crab isn't a vr game fight oh. crab is a pc game uh that I, that I that i jumped into this is one that was at I want to say New Game Plus Expo, and that one—that's when it really piqued my interest. It's essentially a fighting game where you fight as crabs, and so it takes place behind—it's like behind the back, right? You are playing as a crab, and the left analog stick controls your left arm, right analog stick controls your right arm, and you're basically swinging and you're trying to take out the other crab. Uh, It—it's—it's. It's, quirky and it has like a fun it has a fun thing going for it as far as its style and as far as how ridiculous it is in practice i didn't really have that much fun with it in practice mm. i did a few matches and i was like all right this it feels like you're playing an octodad fighting game it feels like you're playing a fighting game that is fighting against you more so than you uh are having control over the situation that's going on and at a certain point like the sw- the swings you're making uh uh with your crab arms feel more janky than anything it doesn't feel as accurate as you want it to be that said like it's it's a it's a fun idea uh and it gets ridiculous in terms of you can have different weapons and 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 different shit goes on with it like the whole game is is kind of tongue-in-cheek in in its presentation but it's not necessarily that fun let me Um, throw this out there though bless apparently the switch mm -hmm. version you just use the joy cons as like swinging things as like gyro motion yeah that might change everything. <laughs> that, that sounds awesome. Uh, I might actually try out the Switch version just for that. I don't know if that's going to fix the game for me, but that sounds like that sounds like a more fun way to control as opposed to using the the thumbsticks because I yeah. did not enjoy that too much. Um, but yeah, F- uh, Fit XR is the other is the VR game I played, and I feel like for a while I've been on this search for a good workout game in VR because Beat Saber has pretty much been that for me um but like beat saber isn't necessarily trying to be a workout game like they have one song in there that is called uh i think it's called like beat fit or something like that where it is a song that is entirely tailored to get you moving and get the blood pumping but aside from that like beat saber isn't necessarily a workout game and i've been trying to find a game that is really is that is going to be well-rounded in terms of the kind of workout i'm going to get from it and so i tried um uh greg what's the one that that you talked about supernatural yeah i tried supernatural uh and i thought it was fine i don't i feel like i don't have enough space in my room 
to to do it is the main thing because that that game requires you to to move a lot in 360 if you go to alana pierce's twitter you can see her break one of her controllers in her kitchen the other night yeah 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 and like that's that's kind of the fear i have as i'm playing the game is like you're you're doing like a lot of spinning around and a lot of turning and at any point i feel like i have to peek under my vr headset to make sure i'm not about to hit something else and i don't i don't like that type of distraction and fear as i'm trying to be fully immersed in this workout experience and so I kind of gave up on that. And also that's like a monthly subscription sort of deal. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to keep paying for it. Um, I tried this thing called, I think it's called O-Shape. It's either O-Shape or On-Shape, which is basically the, I forget what show this is from, but there's like game shows where there's like a, um, like a thing that's coming at you and you have to shape your body in a certain way in order to get through it. The wall. Yes. It's basically that in VR form that I thought yeah. was pretty fun, but I got bored of it pretty quickly. <laughs> Fit XR is my latest venture into trying to find the perfect workout game. Trying not to die during quarantine from inactivity. Exactly. And basically it's a, it's a boxing game and I think it used to be called box VR and they recently changed the name to fit XR for whatever reason. And it has kind of a similar thing as supernatural where you jump into it and there are, there are these different kinds of trainings you can jump into. You can go, you can do all these different types of sessions. Um, I've been doing, I've, I've only been doing very quick ones. So I haven't really gotten like a full, workout experience from it yet but from the little i've played basically it's boxing basically you have things that are coming at you in a similar vein as beat saber where it is a yellow thing for right punch a blue thing for left punch uh there will be there will be certain i don't know what they're called nodes i guess that are shaped for okay you need to hook this one okay you need to hook left this one all right uppercut this one all right uppercut with the other arm this one right like they're they're coming at you and they're asking they're asking you to do different types of boxing punches they also have things that you need need to duck over and then things that you need to lunge to the side uh to each side in order to dodge i've been having a blast with that with that one because it is little movement in terms of what you're doing like side to side like you don't need to turn at all it is very straightforward but at the same time it is geared towards getting uh getting your blood pumping and is geared towards getting you moving in a way that feel safe and in control but still uh full range like you still feel like you're getting getting that workout um and so for now i'm enjoying it it's called fit fit xr if anybody's interested in in, in trying it out uh greg before yeah, we started the show i asked you what games we've been playing yeah and then during the show you slacked me and said that you forgot one yeah you wanted me to add and that game was called ironically before i forget Right. Yeah. I tweeted this one, uh, a thread about this, I think last week or whatever, where I had a gap and jumped into it. Uh, Before I forget is a game about Alzheimer's and suffering from it. Uh, You play uh, a woman who is suffering from Alzheimer's and you are in your house and you don't exactly know what's going on. And so it's only about like 40 minutes long. It's a PC game. You can get it on Steam. You can get it on itch. Uh, and it hit me so hard uh, the other day playing it because I, as I talked about in the Twitter thread, uh, you know, in another life when I was still uh, working at the newspaper and doing stuff, I did a lot of stuff uh, in mid Missouri about uh, Alzheimer's and what it was and the people suffering from it and patients and their stories about it. And so what's always so horrifying about this disease is, of course, forgetting who you are and not being able to understand what's going on. And. Uh, this game, I think, obviously, we'll never know what it's like to actually have this disease. Or I should say, we hopefully will never know what it's like to have this disease. But this game puts you into those shoes so well in terms of like just the way it plays with you. Because the, the game is you know, just existing. It's not about like, obviously, a high score. It's not about uh, trying to actually get out of the house or do anything. You basically 
wake up and find a post-it note similar to memento that you've left for yourself about uh, a man named dylan or whatever and that sets you off of oh right my husband and you start going around the house trying to do things but you get turned around you get disoriented the house changes there's one very like i think haunting segment where you know i've already gone into the closet to put something away and i'm walking down that hallway and i realize i have to go to the bathroom so i go to where the bathroom is and i open the door but it's the closet and then i turn around and try to go to where the bathroom is because i've already seen the bathroom in the game and open the door and it's the closet and that keeps happening until you have an accident and it's a similar thing of you go through and you start getting bits and pieces of this life together you had with your husband and your family and your world right and who you were before this who you are now you're not sure in the timeline where exactly it is they keep you know intersplicing and doing time slips where like you literally you know don't know what day it is like you know you're you know you're finding notes of like not to trust the food in the fridge even though you just put the food in the fridge like you know it's good but do you know it's good how much time is gone like it was super powerful in terms of trying to tell a story on its own for sure but i think in general just giving you a glimpse as to what it's like to have that disease i know so many of us you know i tweeted about it so many of the responses were people who have gone through that with family members whether it be you know uh grandparents uncles moms whatever uh but to actually live it in a way was something not special i uh, it makes it sound like it was a good thing but it was powerful for me with so many i think personal emotions wrapped up in it let alone just I think, you know, you watch a movie like Still Alice or something like that, and you see that, and you see, like, Julianne Moore's character start to slip and not know how to do it and see the ramifications of her family. I think even when I was reporting on it, uh, so many of the stories I would tell were from the outside looking in, but to be in it the best way you can in terms of a, you know, fictional medium here uh, was just super interesting to see what that's like and how horrifying it is. Wow. Um the other thing you want to talk about was the Genki converter doc. Right. Yeah. Cause outside of the stuff I've already talked about, you know, talk to death on PS. I love you or whatever, like fall guys, <laughs> or, or, you know, we're, we're playing shadow right now for a shadow of the Colossus for a review on PS. I love you next week. Uh, I fucked around and got re addicted to animal crossing, uh, where I went and did the IGN charity stream a couple weeks ago, showed Brian around my town, but I was very upfront of like, Hey, I really haven't touched it since like, you know, two months after launch. So I've been off for like two months on top of that. And I was like, the day I did the IGN stream was the day they announced the new fireworks update and some of the summer stuff. They were more summer stuff they were doing, but more importantly, they teased the fall content for next month or, you know, in September, they'll talk about it and show the little pumpkin. And I was like, when fucking Halloween happens, when the leaves are changing color, when it's fall, when it's we're Halloween, when it's Thanksgiving, when it's Christmas, I'll be full blown back into this and doing shit. But even having said that, tooling around to get my island in shape for brian to visit i then started doing the well i'll just go in there and see what's in the shop today oh, i'll just go in there and sure as shit now i'm doing i'm doing big time renovations on the island i built a outside podcast studio right here you can see i'm still waiting oh. up the chairs but you see i have all the things set up so we can do the show there i got mic stands in there i got <laughs> chairs for the audience i got studio lights uh and as luck would have it in the middle of that uh if uh, did you ever do you know what the genki doc is tim i do not it is this and what this is, is if you're an audio listener, I guess, think of something about the size of a pack of matches, maybe a fatter, fatter lighter. But it's the, that's the Nintendo Switch dock all in one. So like for as much as we travel, Tim, toss that oh. in the bag and go because you pop it up and it's you know, there's the charger part of it. Right. You plug you plug it in. And then on the other side, you have HDMI, you have USB 3.0 and you have USB C. And so awesome. you buy the is you this get the, safe yes exactly no yeah of course we all remember when uh originally what the nyko doc was out and was screwing everything up and eating people's things and bricked it and granted to their point remember that uh nyko went and yeah actually refunded those and you know fixed your switches and yada 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 no this one on their website has a 
laundry list of why this is different <laughs> and how they understand what they're doing and this will not brick your switch right uh and so cool. no it's just a super small portable charger that does everything and so uh rather than have to drag the dock when we do go somewhere right you toss this in there with uh usb-c and then an hdmi cable with uh it comes with everything except the hdmi the box itself has everything except an hdmi in it that you would need it's also got a different uh power plugs for it so when we go abroad or whatever but yeah you plug it into the wall or the outlet you put the hdmi into it to the tv and then you put a, a, a usb thank you kevin for bringing this up over there a usb c into it and then into the base of your switch and bam you're up and running on it so i was uh, while i was screwing around with animal crossing and you know building and selling and doing all these different things i uh was using this and having a great time i think you know when we're back on the road it'll be so great because that is the big thing about it where i bring my switch with me all the time on the road or to go visit people, right? But I so rarely bring the dock because it's just such a chunker that I don't <laughs> have it with me. <laughs> I always have a USB-C to USB-C and I often, you know, with the PlayStation, drag around an HDMI cable too. So it's like just those little things and then this little guy. Yeah, it's pretty great. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, super... the question that I have sure. is I wonder if this allows for the GameCube controller adapter. Well, that's USB, right? Yeah, it's USB, but it requires two. But Imran, correct oh. me if I'm wrong. So here. it only it'll only support two controllers if you only have one thing plugged in. So okay. you, to have all four, you need two plugs. So if you only find with two players, then yes, you're fine. Oh, see, I didn't know. I thought it was just vibration that you lost if you didn't have two. So it's you only two controllers. Two, but I think it is just two controllers. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that gets me somewhere. This is <laughs> awesome. You sold yeah. me, Greg. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they sent it for review. Obviously, uh, seventy-five bucks. Uh, but also the the things rated well enough. I'm reading the side here. USB Type C holes good enough for MacBooks, iPad Pros, iPhones, Androids, accessories. Yeah, you know it's got the audio for con- the USB for controllers. The Ethernet thing would work. USB drive, and then obviously output anything that takes HDMI. But yeah, I that was my same thing of like you know when I remember when the Nike stuff was happening and it was like, oh man, that sucks because we would love to have it, right? Just to have something that small. You know, my, my travel backpack, like I have this right in there all the time and I don't have to think about it and just have it ready to go for, yeah, when I get to hotel room or when I go visit Jen's parents and I just want to take over the TV for a hot second. Yeah, man, super cool. Yep. Uh, before we move on, let me tell you about some other super cool stuff, our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Honey. We all shop online, and we've all seen the promo code field taunt us at the checkout. You don't need to let it taunt you anymore. You can let it help you, like we've been doing for years. I know I've been using this. Kevin's been using this. Joey. Pretty much all of Kind of Funny, including Kind of Funny, the company. We've saved thousands of dollars using Honey, uh, and it's so easy. I, I can't imagine not using Honey. You install it once. Takes a couple clicks, then it's just in your browser. Anytime you're internet shopping, uh, it will just automatically apply the best coupon to save you as much money as possible. And it works for anything from small little Etsy sites all the way up to things like Best Buy. Um, a lot of the Hue lights that I, I, I bought recently, I saved a ton of money uh, just using Honey, which means I didn't need to do anything. It just did it for me, saved me some money. Uh, if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in just a few seconds. By getting it, you're doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Uh, get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kinda. That's joinhoney.com slash kinda. 
Next up, shout out to Upstart. During these economically turbulent times, everyone's looking for a way to feel more financially secure. If you're needlessly throwing money every month at high interest credit card debt, now's the time for you to check out Upstart, the revolutionary online lending platform that knows that you are more than just your credit score. Now's the time to find out how low your Upstart rate can be to help off pay high interest credit card debt. Unlike other lenders, Upstart can reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. You don't need a degree or diploma to apply though. It's simple stuff. One of my best friends, been going through some uh, credit issues, been using Upstart, totally consolidated everything for him, made it so much easier and simple for him. Uh, it makes it fast, simple to check your rate, since you're it's just a soft pull. It won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate and proceed with the application. Uh, you can free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt and get back to using your money your way with Upstart. See why Upstart has a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash kind of funny to find out how low your Upstart rate can be. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash kind of funny your loan amount will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application not all applicants will qualify for the full amount that's upstart.com slash kind of funny for more info and finally I want to give a shout out to Sunsoil. These days, it seems like companies are putting CBD in everything. If you don't know where to start, there's a company in Vermont that's down to earth and doing things a little bit differently. Uh, G has been using some of this and, and she's been having a great time. It's really soothing. She's liking it. She likes the soothing factors. Uh, Sunsoil makes CBD oil that is USDA certified organic. They grow hemp on their farms in Vermont and they never use pesticides, herbicides, or GMOs. Sunsoil keeps it simple. In fact, most of their CBD products have just two simple ingredients, coconut oil and hemp. Can't get much more simpler than that. Uh, Sunsoil is surprisingly affordable because they farm their own hemp and stick to simple ingredients. They offer higher quality CBD at half the price of other brands. Uh, Sunsoil makes pure and simple CBD products at an unbeatable price. You can get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash kind of funny. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash kind of funny for 30% off your first order. Again, sunsoil.com slash kind of funny. Now let's do the topic of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Dots, dots, dots. What does the rest of the Switch's life look like? Imran and I were on Games Daily last week, and uh, this kind of came up lightly. And I was like, this seems like a bigger conversation that I want my boys, Greg Miller and Blessing out of OEA Jr. involved in. So let's start here. When it's does the dead. Switch's life end? 2024. <laughs> so and what, four what, years. <laughs> So what does that what does that mean to you though, bless? That was uh, that, that was just a random number, but I I, I got that from seven years because that's how that's how long I associate with console life cycles. Um, but like who knows, right? Like it's Nintendo. Nintendo tends to do things uh, differently, and so yeah. well, how long did the? I mean, the Wii U was not that great of a console, and so maybe it lasted shorter than it would have. But how long did the Wii U last? Twenty twelve. That came out. So I was like, like not five years. End of 2012 to beginning of 2017, so like more like four and a half, but yeah. And how long was the was the Wii? The Wii came out in what 2006? 2006 to 2012. So that was a longer one. GameCube was 2000 end of 2001 to end of 2006. It's so like five six years is how long you probably ex- expect Usually, from yeah. a console from a Nintendo we, console. Yeah, we you they hit the parachute button and like no get the fuck out of here. Like yeah. we're not gonna be able to do this for much longer. The rest of them have been like a fairly standard five to six years. Switch is more successful than most, so yeah. I assume that would, like, the Wii, I think, would have lasted longer if not for the iPhone and the casual, like, audience kind of leaving the Wii to go do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Switch is a kind of a different beast, 
I how long that will last is going to depend a lot on like how long because Nintendo doesn't have a portable system to support anymore. So one of the reasons the Wii U failed is because they needed to support the 3DS because that would need to bailing out quickly. The Switch isn't going to have that problem, so there's going to be no new portable system that needs bailing out. So all the software theoretically should just keep going to the Switch for the next however many years. And with that, with that said, right, I'm thinking then like 2023 maybe for a new Nintendo console. But that also, I think that also comes down to um, like like Emron saying, right, the the success of the Switch. But then also, what does a new Switch model look like? Like, what does that then do for the for the Switch, right? If they make right. a Switch XL or or a Super Switch or whatever it may be called, uh, which I think is very likely given how Nintendo's treated the the 3DS with the 2DS and the 3DS XL and all the different models of that. I guess so that that to me is the bigger thing. Question two that I think directly determines question one, which would be what does the next switch look like? Is right. it is the next switch? So we we can all kind of agree that there's going to be some type of switch pro at some point. Mm-hmm. But is that the switch too? Or is that just a more incremental like a, a, a 3DS XL type situation? That's my yeah, that's my question I that I have to turn towards the you the nintendo experts a bit more on this right because i think i was you know at ign more covering uh nintendo consoles or you know at at home consoles versus handhelds the success of the switch the way it's uh just dominated and been awesome and, and so is so beloved i think it would fall more into that category that i always fuck up if you pay attention to me on any show when i'm like oh the Nintendo that was a DS game. No, it was a 3D. Oh, okay, it was a new 3D. What's the new 3DS? Like I that it feels like that's such a hazy spot of what those handhelds were. Is that what a Switch XL would become? That it's still playing Switch games, but there's some that are only good for it or Switch Pro, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. So the the real like the to get on the same page and get you kind of understanding how Nintendo has previously done this. When you look at the Game Boy to Game Boy Color. Yeah. Right. This was the first time we really saw it where the Game Boy Color did have exclusive games, but not too many of them. Uh, and mainly it was just a different version of the Game Boy. But there were games that you could only play on the color. Right. But mainly there were still Game Boy games coming out that you could play on either Game Boy Pocket or Color. Right. Yeah. Then when GBA didn't really have anything like that, GBA just whether you had the GBA or the SP or uh, Micro, they all played the same games. Mm-hmm. Then with the DS, that's when it, there was the DS, there was the Lite, the DSi. Um, the DSi had, again, a handful of games that were exclusive to that. But Looks for like all intents of... Yeah, like the hardware yeah. was more or less the same, just like a little different. But the only reason that games are exclusive is because they were downloadable games. That was it. Exactly. And then when we got to the 3DS, uh, there was the new 3DS, which yeah. had a couple exclusive games. It had the nub, and, right? And, and, and it had the... Buttons. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but that was really there was what like Xenoblade and Fire Emblem Warriors were I think the only two I can think of. Yeah, so really it was kind of like a I mean, a bizarre choice honestly uh, for them to have any exclusive games behind that. I don't know why they would have done that. So I don't see them doing that again. Okay, Imran, what do you think? I think it depends a lot on like so I when you were like talking about the differences between the the versions. I think it's more likely to look like a PS4 Pro than it is to look like a new 3DS. Like a, here it is, a thing that is just more powerful and it does, it'll get those ports that we want to get from like Unreal Engine 5 games down to UE4 to like, they won't look nearly as good as PS5 or Xbox Series X versions, 
but they will look like they will be playable on the system. I think that is a logical way to go. I don't think I see them doing that in a way that makes those games exclusive, just because like they're it hasn't ever worked out for them. Like we struggled to name what the games were on those exclusive versions for other cons or for other handhelds. I don't think they're gonna just try to run that again. They might just game architecture is so much more scalable these days that it is possible to make a game that runs on di- a bunch of different types of power levels as like we're going to probably see in the xbox next generation or like we've been seeing in pc forever that plays identically but doesn't look as good on each form i can see a situation where let's say i mean i, I don't think it's gonna be part of this program or initiative or whatever but let's say breath of the wild 2 looks better on switch pro doesn't necessarily look as good. Looks like Breath of the Wild One has frame rate problems, all that on regular Switch. That is where I think they probably would go, because it does allow them to keep up in that that port conversation with the other two newer consoles. So okay, so if that's the case, then we expect we're getting a Pro. We expect it's going to be more similar to the One X or the PlayStation Four Pro, and it's just going to be the best place to play the versions of the games that you can also play on the other ones. When do we get that, and what does that mean for the Switch too? I would bet next year. I would bet because they've been, uh, Furukawa has made some noise that he thinks the Switch is not half over. He thinks that 2021, or like, I think he just referred to it like a nebulous future or whatever, but he thinks that this year is going to be like a big year for Switch and all that jazz. I, I would bet that they realize, especially with the way things are like slowing down now due to COVID and stuff like that, maybe that delays plans a little bit, but they, can use this coming year when it's going to be the slowest time possible for the newest consoles. It's also going to be like a big year in terms of like, I think it's Zelda and Metroid's anniversary. They kind of have to delay Mario's anniversary a little bit. This would be the time for them delay to like... Delay the anniversary. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a, world. It's you the time the to like... It's, it's time to like really go in there and like be a big software showcase for the Switch and then also not call it a successor system but just release a thing like hey if you want more high-end games this is the way you can do it bless you bless so thank you so okay i'm with you on that i I do think that we would have even seen it this year had things not went the way that they did so with where they're at i do expect that we'll see switch pro whatever it is next year so that means switch to in 2023 2024 I would say more, 2024. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, yeah, they might want to ride this wave. Because I, when you look at the Wii U, and, and this all comes, this will come back to how they, how they brand it. Because I think with, with, with whatever the, the successor to the Switch is, as far as like the actual console cutoff, this is your new, this is your new console. I would assume they'd want to keep the Switch branding because the Switch branding is powerful and they found such success with it. But that kind of did backfire with them with the Wii, with the Wii U, where the Wii U is one of the most popular consoles to come out, and the Wii U comes out and nobody gets it because it's confusing. All right, is this a new console? What is so, this like? Here, here's the problem with the Wii U. The Wii mm-hmm. U wasn't the Wii, and that's like obviously there was a number of problems like leading Memento up into the Wii. Like they just shut that console software down like a year or two before the Wii came out or Wii U came out. So there was nothing like getting Nintendo fans excited for a new system, but. The Wii was a system where you, grandma, your mom, all the family got together and were playing and were active in the living room. 
you could see that somebody was bowling and you could see the motions they were making for bowling. The Wii U was the opposite of that. It was an inherently isolating system of, I have my screen, I'm going to sit here on the couch, maybe I'm playing with you guys, maybe I'm not, but I'm not part of the same group because it's all asymmetrical. Or in the most likely situation, I'm playing Assassin's Creed alone because somebody else is using the TV. Mm-hmm. It was a... The, it took the idea of the social aspect of the Wii and just kind of inverted it. So I think it wasn't just the branding, but it was part of the fact that they, they took the branding and they kind of fucked it up. They yeah. really kind of messed with what that central idea was. I think they kind of stuck themselves in a bad corner now because a Switch 2 can't be anything but another Switch. And that's going to, like, how powerful that is and how well they can pull that off in terms of battery and all that is going to depend a lot on what NVIDIA does over the next four, three, four years. So here's a crazy question. Is there a chance we never get a Switch 2? And Nintendo just looks at it and is like, this is as good as our games need to look. People like Animal Crossing, where it's at. Smash Brothers, where it's at. Mario Kart, where it's at. Like The list goes on. And it's just kind of like, there's just going to continually be new pro versions. Yeah, but, it's, it become, it's like Xbox. It becomes the Switch platform, right? Or the yeah. Nintendo platform. Or the iPad would be a good hmm? like comparison yeah. for that. Like, hmm. why really... They're not called like iPad 7 or iPad 8 anymore. They're called like iPad 2020, iPad 2021. Yeah, the like, iPad Pro, right? Yeah, like just release a new, like release a couple of models of different kinds of switches every couple of years. That might not be a bad plan for them. And that's what you figure they've been doing already with hardware uh, refinements, right? Where even though they're not making a big deal that the new switch in this red box gets a better battery, but it does have a better battery. And we know that and we care and we buy those switches because of that. Yeah, you figure if they they could just keep doing that, and I think that's where the pro gets interesting, or whatever you want to call whatever the next version of this iteration of the Switch would be. Where, yeah, we still have the Switch Lite that you know Gary's daughter can run around and play with, and it doesn't dock, and nobody cares. And then we also have the regular Switch, and then we or or they phase that out, and they just move on to having the what the new Switch is, the Switch Pro is, and put that on the box for a little bit, but then fade that out that there is just the Switch. Yeah, I think yeah. what they what they what they were doing with the 3ds and making those like slightly more powerful versions of that of that handheld is kind of gearing up for what we're talking about here. The thing is, I I feel like for Nintendo, they're the type of company to want clear messaging in terms of, hey, this is this is your Switch and it can play what it can play all our games. And they I feel have like a handheld version of a thing called the Switch, though. Yeah, but like that, and that, but that thing can still play all this like all the games that are available to the Switch. Though I feel True. like once we start falling down that rabbit hole of like okay yeah the switch 2023 you know is still part of the switch family but like it's more powerful we're gonna get to the point where the og switch cannot play certain games that are on the 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 version that comes out four or five years from now and at what point does that message start to get muddied but that's my thing is like i think you're right but is there a world where that's not the case where we've just maxed out on what a nintendo game needs to be Third-party games still exist, though. Is is I think the the difficult thing, where like I you 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 still might have companies that do want to put out their Wolfenstein's or their Dooms, or I guess I'm just naming Bethesda games because Bethesda put out they put out a lot <laughs> a lot of games on the Switch. But like you know your Skyrim's, you're still gonna you're still gonna have companies that want to put out their third-party games on the Switch. I know like like that's not the Switch isn't the third-party platform. It's not it's nowhere near the premier third-party platform. But I feel like you miss out on a lot when you start to cut cut out uh that group of games more and more and more as you go on and as you don't step up with the times to your point blessing like doom eternal was announced as a switch game at like announcement 
and we still haven't seen it. It's supposed to be in 2020, and they still haven't shown it at all. So clearly, they're still struggling trying to get those even current gen, a, a gen that is ending within this month or this year, games onto the Switch. So clearly, they do need some overhead if they're going to like try and port those games down. But is there a possibility that they just give up the goose on this? On third and parties? it's like you know, we there's been jokes forever where it's just like you know, Nintendo consoles are it's for first party games and that's all that they have but it's like at what point did this go that is what we have and we're selling 20 million copies of animal crossing so you know we can sell hardware and we'll continue to sell hardware cheaper than everyone else and people are going to continue to buy it for their entire families it's an interesting argument because i feel when we say third party we we are thinking of the bethesda's the ea's the 2k's right and i don't think that most and i know some people do but most people don't play those kind of games on their switch and I think, you know, when we were leading up to the Switch and when people were talking about it, well, it's, oh, it's going to be this and it's going to be that and we'll have these Nintendo games. Nintendo games will sell the system. The argument to counter that was that didn't work for the Wii U. Nobody bought, people weren't buying Wii U's in the droves to play the Nintendo exclusives that were there, which obviously are awesome because they get ported to the Switch and become bestsellers, right? I think what's important about the Switch is it goes so well and hand in hand with indie games to the point that it is this move that Nintendo can put out uh, an amazing game like animal crossing right and then followed up months later with paper mario and granted we all, everybody is like what the fuck is going on what are you really doing yada 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 there's also a constant stream of nindies coming through there right that are cool experiences and that is where i play most of my indies now that i'd ra- i save the big consoles for you know the triple a experiences or double a's or whatever i'm playing over there but if i want to try something if there's something new that i just want to tinker with while i'm watching tv i get on the switch so, okay, let's go with the premise that 2024 is when we do see a Switch 2 if we end up seeing it. So the we're going to get a, a Switch Pro next year in 2021, and that's going to ride out. There might be iterations here or there, but we're going to 2024. What do the next three years look like? Four years, I guess. I would guess this phase two of what we've already seen for Switch, because now we're at the point where we should start getting sequels of games. Like Breath of the Wild 2 is an obvious example of something that was announced that we should theoretically see sometime next year, maybe, or hopefully. Like, I would guess the 3D Mario team has been working on something as well. Like, all those teams that put out games, they should have new games available. Like, the ARMS <laughs> team was... The ARMS team is probably not working on ARMS 2, but if they are working on ARMS 2, then that should be ready. Like, I could feasibly see Xenoblade 2, even though Xenoblade Definitive Edition came out, that wasn't a full, like, team game. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that. Like the first year of the Switch is honestly one of the first years of best first years of any console I've seen, period. Because it was month mm-hmm. to month to month, every big Nintendo hitter. I think that kind of crippled them a little bit over the next couple of years, but it does mean that all those the the refractory period of that is over and they can also ha- like in 2021, 2022, we'll probably start seeing the next big things like Animal Crossing, I bet. It's not just, oh, we added swimming, and that's what we've been working on for the last couple of months. I bet it's more, hey, we have a big expansion we're working on. That's coming in, and that's going to go as DLC for the next one. This game's still going to sell another 20 million copies. So a uh, next Animal Crossing? or Not a next Animal Crossing, like an expansion that makes people still buy that original game. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So before we go into the new stuff, let's start with the old of Wii U. We have very few games left to port. Mm-hmm. Where on remix I want that's it a so very bad. good question what games do we expect 
to see and not to see. So what do we have left? We have NES Remix 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. We have... What? You don't think it's going to happen? No, I mean, maybe they will, but it, they always seem like such a weird experiment that, like, even Nintendo seem to just quietly forget about those games. Yeah. They were fun, though. They were neat. <laughs> I wish they would have gotten weirder. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I don't expect to see it either, but I'd like to. Oh, yeah, I would like to see it, but I don't, I don't think we will. I mean, we got a Clubhouse game sequel like eight, ten years later. So who the fuck knows, honestly? That's true. Yeah. So then we got uh, Xenoblade X. I could. Did... I don't know. Xenoblade Definitive Edition sold really fucking well. So like, for the the history of Xenoblade, they didn't want to bring that game to America in the first place. They eventually did because people complained. It didn't sell great because it was like a GameStop exclusive. And then Xenoblade X didn't sell well because it was on the Wii U. Xenoblade 2 sold surprisingly well. I think last check-in it was 1.7 million. By this point, it's probably gone, gotten to 2 million. Xenoblade Definitive Edition sold 1.32 million in like 30 days. So it's clearly on the rise. If you're going to do a low-effort thing, it makes sense to just go ahead and port this game over and see what you get from it. Do you think we see so Mario 3D World? I think is a slam dunk. We're gonna get. I think it's a slam yeah. dunk in the next six months. Honestly, what is going yeah. on with that? What is going on with the the Mario collection? We're gonna have all these different Mario throwback games and stuff. Is COVID just screwed all that up? I assume COVID has screwed it up. I like because okay. there was a bunch of Mario stuff that has a branding. that's like Mario 35th anniversary stuff on it. I have to assume there were games to go along with that, and this they have not been announced for whatever reason. When you say that there's stuff with with branding, are you referring to like the, the Lego, Lego sets, yeah. Monopoly stuff like that? Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah it's weird. I, I'm shocked we haven't heard it, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up at the end of 2020. We have 3D World, but we don't have the rest of them. At the, I you think, think we'll get 3D opposite. World by the end of 2020? I do. I, I feel like we have to get a Nintendo game. But 3D World, I don't think 3D World is a fall game is the thing. I think that game comes out at the very beginning of the year if it comes out. Um, Or maybe like toward like June-ish. Like that doesn't distract me as the type of game you release in in the fall for Nintendo. But what Um, if you don't have anything else? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. That's just a bummer. They get very cautious about putting too many Wii U ports together. So like Pikmin 3 being so late in the year makes me think that like 3D World pushed a little bit. Oh yeah, I forgot Pikmin 3 was coming out. Yeah. To your point, Blessing, like yes, they put Mario New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe in January, but also to the contrary point, that game sold really fucking well. Like holy shit. It's it's seven million copies. Most games wish they could sell seven million copies, much less a like really late ass port of a, a port game that, of a Wii U launch game <laughs> that a lot of people just don't like. I think it's amazing, but a lot of people don't like that game. And yet it's sold incredible, like very quietly done better than like every Metroid game. Then there's Star Fox Grand Prix. No. Uh, <laughs> Star Fox Zero Mission. Yeah. Wait, zero. no, that's not just zero. zero. Just zero. Yes. Yeah. I hope <laughs> it's not zero Let that Star Fox Zero Mission would be a game. I guess like that. a skin tight suit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Give it to the furries. I, I don't <laughs> expect to see Star Fox, but I do expect to see the rest of the ones we named, with the exception of maybe NES Remix. Am I missing any other, Imran? That seems like it. Those are the two big oh, ones. Oh, Zelda. Nintendo Land. Yes. The, the Nintendo Zelda's. Land and, and the Zelda ports. Where are they yeah. at? Those would all be good. And like, why the fuck not at this point? Why just why not just port all this stuff over? And actually, I mean, like, 
Go ahead. It's Lush. Nintendo, right? Like they're yeah. they're experts at drip feeding you everything across the course of a generation. Like how many to- how many times have we like rebought Mario Brothers or reacquired like the classic games? Like there's no reason why we shouldn't have Earthbound on the Super Nintendo right now, on Super Nintendo Online, on the Switch yes. right now. But it's just because they love drip feeding because they 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 know they can they could and now I'm, I feel like I'm treating Nintendo as like. I don't know, man. Like some kind of abuse, like abusive master or whatever. But if they they know they know they can string us along over the course of an entire generation and have us there, and like we'll be fine with it because there's nothing we can really do about it. Like I think that's the main reason why we haven't seen the Zelda games be ported again is because they know. Like I think they could push a button and make that happen, but that button isn't getting pushed until it's time for them. I it's one of the things that actually kind of worries me. Speaking of like the Switch too. What do they do next generation? Because this generation, they got everything under one console brand. So there's no more like, oh, this team is doing a 3DS game. Well, I'd love them to do a console game. So it's all one thing. But they're not going to have like ports that no one played again. Like there will never be a situation. They're not to be like, hey, this on Switch 2, here's Mario Odyssey. It's like, no, 13 million people bought Mario Odyssey. They're not going to buy that again. It's not the same thing as putting in 3D World, which is a fantastic game that nobody played. Yeah. It's interesting. So, I mean, like moving into to newer stuff then. So, what do you expect to see from the Odyssey team, Imran? I I bet they are working on a new game, like like a new 3D Mario. But It's going to be Odyssey too. Does it, though? They, yes. The only 100%. time they've ever done like a direct sequel was Galaxy 2. And that was yeah. like, we had so many ideas that we had to like make a new game. Here, they like... They put nine hundred fucking stars into a game. Like I, do I don't again. know. <laughs> I don't know but that they're it, immediately going to be like we have so many leftover ideas. I think they do though, because it wasn't that one of the rumors you had heard early on that they wanted to start thinking about DLC and what they would do with these different Mario worlds they would put in there, and then like wait, we have so many things. Why not keep going? Why not wait and put that all out? There were some like I remember people talking like at least guessing there was DLC because there was like an Io Delfino that was initial like. Uh, the initial art for the game that was taken out by the actual final game. So you were yeah. like, oh yeah, we might be going to Mario Sunshine. Wasn't that in the final game? I don't think so. I don't think it was the on map? the world map in the final game. Maybe I think, I think, it, was. I think it was. Okay. If you're wrong, tell, like let me know. That would be great. But... <laughs> I'm looking at the chat. Chat, tell us. But yeah, I... Give I... us a Luigi Mansion planet. Come on. Come on. Oh my God. But that's, what... I think that's the thing though, is with Mario Odyssey, and sorry to interrupt you, but like Mario Odyssey... I think that that game had so much success, uh, both critically and uh, in terms of uh, like it selling, like it sold really, it sold really well. I think that w- I think it'd be easier to return to that formula as opposed to trying to create something again from the ground up because you already have like mechanically it's already there. I'm sure, uh, and they'd probably want to do something new. But if they did reuse the captain mechanic of taking over different enemies. I'm sure folks would be fine with it. Like I'm, I'm, like I think, I think a Super Mario Odyssey two allows you to go and do those crazy things that you weren't weren't necessarily able to do in Odyssey one, like go to Isle of Delfino or like do a Luigi's Mansion world, which I don't think they would do, but I think it would be super awesome if they did. Like, I, I think a, Mar- a Mario Odyssey two could be a hey, Mar- Mario Odyssey one was a return to form and a celebration of Mario. Mario Odyssey two is us going bonkers and really getting creative and taking these established mechanics that for all intents and purposes, work perfectly. Like, the way that game moves and flows and controls is, like, that, that game has some of the most perfect controls I've felt in a video game. I think you don't let that go to waste. I think you, you go right back to the well and use it again. 
So the thing I forgot about until actually right now was that there was a job listing the other day for EAD Tokyo, which is the Mario, like 3D Mario team that was asking for a 2D level designer, which that could be, you know, the 2D levels in Mario Odyssey style things. Of, yeah, like, where their, you pop down the wall. Yeah. Or it could be, you know, their act, maybe they've taken over the 2D design, like Mario games. Maybe oh that's God. their next project. If that team made a new 2D Mario game, I'd lose my fucking mind. <laughs> like that, that sounds like fucking music to my ears. Wow. I hope that's the case. I think it's Mario Odyssey too. And even that I'd be super happy with. Like I, I think yeah. that again, looking at Nintendo's past to predict their future is a futile effort. Like there's very rarely patterns that actually like pan out. And the moment that there is a pattern, they do something completely out of left field that changes it all up. Uh, but trying to look at some patterns here like we've never gotten uh like since the s or since the nes uh a mario game with a sequel on the the console of like a core mario game right uh with the exception of galaxy and galaxy 2 Mm -hmm. so getting two 3d mario games that are like from the ground up with with the brand new gimmick i think is going to be a lot to ask for uh, especially yeah. like given the years and time frame we're talking about here, where I think that they're going to run with the cappy stuff longer. There's more to be done there, especially when you can go back to those levels. Those levels were, so, were already so big that they can kind of like have a whole bunch of new levels and then also have a couple uh, more fleshed out ones like the, I forget the realistic dragon kingdom. The oh, Ruined the Kingdom? Oh my god, I loved Ruined Kingdom for the five minutes it lasted. <laughs> but imagine it lasted <laughs> an hour, you know, like that oh could be god. that'd be really cool. And and I think that you know that game would sell in droves. I so what would get you more excited at an E3, or maybe not an E3, at a Nintendo Direct at the ending? We got if we got a Mario Odyssey 2 or if we got a Mario Galaxy 3. Oh God. I I think I like the Galaxy games a bit better than Odyssey. I do too, but I think an Odyssey 2 would, would actually get me more excited. I think that Galaxy between 1 and 2, I would rather... I, I want Galaxy 1 and 2 in HD playable. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to replay those. I don't know that I need more Galaxy, though. Like, they yeah. really kind of... They did it. Galaxy 2 nailed it. I, I think Mario Galaxy 3 would set the world on fire. I, per, I personally would prefer Odyssey 2 <laughs> because I, I I like Odyssey better than than Galaxy, but... I think Galaxy 3 would get the bigger pop than a Ma- Mario Odyssey 2. What about Sunshine 2? No. Can you imagine? <laughs> People would be like, God damn it, Nintendo. <laughs> Throwing lad pops out of their windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that, like, let's say they make a new Galaxy or a new Odyssey. Then they do that troll trailer. Then they do the Nintendo thing of logo comes in, fades out. They do another start scene. It's Mario We're in Flood. Just for like one level, it's oh. Mario with Flood on. Yeah, dude. I'm t- like, that would be... So but I, I, and I, that, I think that's the type of shit you could do in a Mario Odyssey 2. Like, I think Mario Odyssey 2, if they, if they wanted it to, uh, to be this, could be a bigger celebration of Mario than Mario Odyssey 1 was. Because, like, the big thing, the big, or one of the big things that came out of Mario Odyssey 1 uh, was the uh, New Donk City, right? And how that game was a celebration of uh, the original Donkey Kong. And we also got, like, more Mario 64 references later in the game. But like, imagine if they kept going down that route, and in Mario Mario Odyssey two, they did do a whole level based on Sunshine, or they did a whole level based on maybe like, they could even do a Galaxy level if they wanted to. Like Mario totally. Odyssey, I feel like presents endless uh, possibilities in terms of what it could do and what what it can be. Yeah, I mean, all Which they would have been... to do is have an Al Delfino level and have uh, like the, the the Water Mario, I forget his name, uh, Shadow Mario, Shadow, Shadow Mario. Mario. 
running around. Yeah, exactly. Running around, and then you just you copy him, and then you get Flood or some shit. Like, I'd be into that. Yeah, yeah like, I that's kind of what I'm hitting at Blessing. Like, we're coming at it from different perspectives, but Odyssey represents the fact that you can just do anything. And I feel like once you can do anything, I would love them to hit on a new idea instead. Not that I dislike mm-hmm. Odyssey at all. It's just that this team makes so many fucking great ideas. I'd love them to just do a thing, do a new thing. To hone in. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. So, okay, so we expect to see a new 3D Mario, whether it's Odyssey 2 or something like that. We know we're getting Breath of the Wild 2. We know that Metroid Prime 4 is happening. We know that Retro is making it. Okay, so we skipped past Breath of the Wild 2 a little fast. Here's my, my question. Do you expect it to just be Breath of the Wild 2? Like, it's the same game, same map with, like, maybe a Dark World mechanic? Or do you accept, like, they're going to... Th- they have pressure on them now because whether you think Breath of the Wild... Whether you personally think Breath of the Wild 2 is the best game... Or Breath of the Wild 1 is the best game ever or not, a lot of people do, and that's a ton of pressure when you're making a sequel. Yeah, I'm one of those people. And that's why I don't... I, that's why I, I try not to think too hard about what Breath of the Wild 2 could be or should be or, or can be, because, like, I don't know what they can make that will live up to my expectations. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't... I have no idea how they could do that. I think the thing with Breath of the Wild 2, though, is I, there are elements that I think we we know that they they'll have to keep, right? Like I think they Trimes. gotta keep the climbing, they gotta they gotta keep the physics because the physics engine was so powerful, um, and like so many people, so many people, me included, fell in love with that. But then from there, it's like, all right, the open world. You imagine that they'd make somewhat of a different world, but how do they do that if it's a sequel? Does it all take place underground? Do you change the existing world in meaningful ways that, like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have these answers. I mean, Zelda's proven to us a million times they can take the same world and make it slightly different, whether it's a dark world or the past or low rule or whatever the fuck. Like, they yeah. can do some shit. I very much expect Breath of the Wild sequel to be a Breath of the Wild two, where it is more of what you love from it, but with traditional dungeons. And I don't think it'd be as many as a a, a normal Zelda game, but I do think that we'll see a lot more than just the four uh, beasts that we saw in, in Breath of the Wild. I think that there will be actual, like, Temple of Time and Water Temple and, and that type of stuff, um, which is really all I need from the game You're for it to me. be super rad. But <laughs> no, Nintendo, it? they're going to do something, like, more Majora's Masky and different. Yeah, that's what I want. I want, like, every Zelda sequel, the direct sequel, has been fucking weird. Like Link Between Worlds, uh, Majora's Mask, they've taken the idea of, hey, you know this world already, let's fuck it up. And that's, I want to see them do that. Like, I, I forget who I was talking to, but they suggested make it like Link's in one time period, Zelda's in another, and you switch between the two. Like, that would be cool. I want to see them do something strange, knowing that you already know what Breath of the Wild is. So let's subvert that idea. I think whatever oh, they do, though, has idea. to maintain the same tenets as. Uh, I keep wanting to say Mario Odyssey as uh, Breath of the Wild one though. Like as I'm playing through Shadow Classes right now, and I'm trying, to, I'm not going to spoil the conversation that we'll probably end up having, having on PS. I love you. One of the things that's coming back to me as far as one of the reasons why I, I love Shadow Colossus, and it's the same reason why I love Breath of the Wild so much, is those games have such a an uninterrupted sense of mystery and discovery that you that that never feels like anything's getting in the way. Like Breath of the Wild, my my biggest complaint with it is probably that I did, I did not care about the story in that game or the or the characters really. Like for the most part, the story is whatever. Like it's a Zelda story, cool. You know, Link's doing a thing. Um, Zelda's also doing a thing, and Ganon's <laughs> doing a thing. Um, but you know, I with Breath of the Wild, I was fine with that because cool. 
like I'm very much immersed in this world and I am exploring it and I am doing my own thing. Don't let story get in the way of what I'm doing right now. Breath of the Wild 2, from the one trailer that we got from it, it seems like they're setting up some stuff, which seems exciting because I would love, like, I like the idea of this vast, cool, amazing world getting some narrative splashed into it that I actually care about. Uh, that said, they, I, I, they, for Breath of the Wild 2, they still had to find a way to make sure that experience feels uninterrupted and that you're engrossed and that it doesn't, it isn't like, I don't know, like, story that is interrupting you at every moment of trying to figure out what's going on in this dark world or like you'd switching me between Zelda and Link. Like, I, I, I feel like they wouldn't want to overcomplicate what, uh, what that current Hyrule is. I think Ghost of Shima actually kind of hit the nail on the head of what they might be going towards of that game is also very linear. Like we, we talked to Nate Fox here a couple of weeks ago and he said Breath of the Wild is one of his inspirations for that game. But there's also serial linear quests. So I think it will be one of those things of you have complete freedom to do whatever you want, but if you want to get on this quest, here's this like number three of five or whatever, mm -hmm. like whatever way you want to tackle this quest or whatever order you want to take it on. That's your, the way we do it, but we still want to have you down some kind of path. Hmm. Hmm. I would like that. So Metroid prime four, we're getting it. I mean, let me start there. Are we getting it? <laughs> I would assume so. I would assume that it like completely re rebooted development when they said it did, which was January of 2019-ish, I think, was when they Takahashi had that, yeah. that video of like, hey, sorry, we we thought we were working this game, but we had to give it a retro. So I would, I would not be shocked if we saw it like for the first time sometime next year, but I don't think we'll actually like play it until sometime 2022. So with that, do we ever see another retro game again <laughs> that's not this? I've talked to enough people that have said they were working on a thing. But whether that thing is actually still going to come out, whether it's like sitting there waiting for the finishing touches or maybe like even ready, I have no fucking clue. Star Fox think... Grand Prix? <laughs> who knows <laughs> at this point? That's honestly what I heard it was. I had... I have talked to people who I trust who have like seen videos of that game running. I don't know for sure. I can't like personally never seen it, but I, I think this game is going to be very make or break for retro because they've not put out a game for 2015. So five years and it'll be, it'll be another, at least two years before we see another one. So if the, if Metroid prime four comes out and it's bad, I don't think Retro was long for this world. Maybe it is a it becomes an asset creation company at that point. Man, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. That's dark. That's a dark thing. Real to say dark. Do, do you so with that, do we ever see a Donkey Kong Country sequel? I fucking hope so. Trump and if so, who makes it? Hmm. Dude, give it to an indie dev. I'm down for that. Like honestly, I I'm 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 struggling to think of who I'd want to develop it, but like in this in the same way that um What'd you oh, say? Platonic, the ukulele. Yes. Mm. Yes, that is who I'd want to develop it. That's actually a very good poll cuz ukulele in the impossible lair was actually really great. It's straight I up tropical freeze just with a different concept. Huh. I jumped to Damn. Yacht Club. That's who came to mind for me. Yacht Club would be great too. Yeah. Yeah. No for sure. But I, I do you want a Donkey Kong Country game that is in the same vein as Returns and Tropical Freeze? Like, do you want another one of those or something that reinvents I it? I do. I would love to see a 
Donkey Kong, uh, uh, and to the Returns trilogy that actually returns to the OG, like the King K. Rule and the Kremlins and all that stuff. I don't really care that much about the Kremlins. Like, they've always been like cartoon villains for me. So it's never, those complaints have never like hit me as hard. It's not so much a complaint as much as it's uh, just, I'd like to see it like go back to that uh, and a bit more of a traditional thing instead of like, like Tropical Freeze. one of the best 2D platformers, if not best games of all time. But uh, the settings, I think, did wear a little thin over time. And like, I'd like to see a little bit more variation. See, if um, you played, if you, old, old G characters come back. If you, if you played uh, uh, Donkey Kong 64 on the Nintendo 64, you'd understand why the Kremlins are so important to the Donkey Kong world and the Donkey Kong universe. They're very, they're very menacing villains. <laughs> <laughs> So now I want to get a little crazy and and throw some franchises out there and see if we if we think we're ever going to see them again. F Zero. I could see it. Mario Kart Eight has done so fucking well. Like it makes sense to diversify with another racing game somewhere along the line. Punch Out. I want to say yes, but I don't think so. How really? Why do you think not? Because the only people who would willing we who would make it these days is next level and punch out didn't sell as well as Luigi's mansion. So I, I expect that whatever they're working on next is either going to be like their own dream game or another Luigi's mansion. <laughs> Which with Luigi's mansion, do you think we're getting Luigi's mansions for? Cause I totally I, do. I, I, if I were Nintendo, I would have them on Luigi's mansion just cause uh, Federation force just did so badly. But yeah, I could, I think they would be on Luigi's Mansion 4 if if I were in charge of the money. That's what I would put them on. Then, I mean, with Mario Kart, I know we've talked about this a lot, and even on Games Daily we did, but what what do we really expect to see from the Mario Kart franchise by 2024? I think next Switch for sure has one. This one, I think they're probably done with 8. I think, like, they're not going to put a 9 out this generation. They, I hate that. Technically, Mario Kart Tour is nine because that is the Mario Kart team. That is a brand new game with new tracks, new care. Like they added King no. Bob yesterday or something. Everyone like that. is saying so many dark things this episode. No, I don't stand by it. The game still what is it? Twenty four million copies just on the Switch, not even including the twelve million on or eight million on Wii U. Like it is it is a ridiculous proposition. But I think if I bet there is a thing called mario kart 9 sitting somewhere on a computer but it's not being deployed because switch sales have not slowed down (laughs) yeah i I mean mario kart is that game now that i i identify with selling a console and i feel like i feel like mario kart at this point has to come out toward the beginning of that life cycle i know like mario kart what eight or seven for the 3ds was that mm-hmm. later in the life cycle? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep up with these it things. It was fairly early. But it was like, fairly early? It wasn't okay. year one, but like it was early. Yeah. I feel like Mario Kart at this point, you just want to put it out early, you know, as a thing to sell a system and for a thing for everybody to flock to and have to play with their friends and like something to be there from the get-go. I, I, I don't know what the point would be of putting out a Mario Kart later in the console life cycle. I'm telling you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm standing by this. We're getting another Mario Kart on the Switch because you guys are right. Mario Kart 8 is going to continue to sell. But why not sell another one to the people that already bought Mario? And another one. And they're going to buy it. But I I really think the biggest thing for me is we haven't seen a new Mario Kart since 2013. Mm -hmm. Come on. Like, what what, (laughs) what, 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 what
Mario Kart Tour is the new Mario Kart. No, it's Kart. not. It's it just not. Sucks. Mario Kart Tour is not a Mario Kart game. It's it, it uses the branding. It's an abomination. And it, it doesn't play like it. It's by a the different Mario Kart game. team. Is what they were working on. So I think probably like internally, I would bet when they do actually do make a new Mario Kart, they forget Tour existed. Like that Sonic 4 bullshit of like, yeah, we're not thinking about the other games. It's this one. This is the real like the yeah. real sequel you're waiting for. But I do think internally they think Tour is Mario Kart 9. They can't. No. (laughs) That thing is getting so much new content. It is get it gets new content like every fucking day. See, the way I think about it as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is Mario Kart 9. And I'm sure it's like some kind of combination between the two for Nintendo business wise of like, yeah, the Switch has Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It's the best selling game on the Switch. Like there's no rush to put a new Mario Kart game because people are satiated. And then Mario Kart Tour is the game that our studio has has been working on, does have new content. Like what is between between both those things? Mario Kart, I think, could be chill for a while, and I just don't. Nintendo be I don't quite understand the argument of it's the number one best selling game, so they're good. I see it as like it's the number one selling game. Put out another one because Nintendo is weird in that they assume this is the reason they keep their games at sixty dollars is because they will just keep selling forever. If Mario Kart Eight Deluxe sold twenty two million copies in the first year and then stopped in the like after that, then they would just immediately make Mario Kart Nine. But the fact that it just keeps selling a, a million, a, a couple of million every few quarters, then it's like, okay, it seems real dumb to like put Mario Kart 8 and Mario Kart 9 next to each other on a shelf or like on the eShop listing and say, hey, pick and choose. Instead, yeah. they're going to go like, I think the ideal thing to do would have been to put out DLC. But I don't, that would have been ideal a year or two ago. I still don't know why they haven't done that. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think part of that might be because it's still a 2013 game. I think whatever Mario Kart 9 is, that is going to be a platform. Like, that is going to get so much DLC. Mario, I mean, yeah, like, it's going to be Mario Kart 9 Infinite, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I imagine, but it's Nintendo, and so who knows? knows? Which is actually, like, the thing, that's what I suspected they would do with Mario Kart 8, is, like, they take the logo, turn the 8 to the side, so it's like a Mario Kart Mobius strip. There you go. There's a fucking platform. I don't know why they're not doing that. Yeah. More importantly, where's Mario Golf? That is a good question. Thank you. It has I missed to come it. Soon, right? Because tennis sold super well. That was rumored for this year, alongside yeah. like the Paper Mario oh, rumors. Yeah. Camelot's not working on anything else, so I'd assume that has to be soon. Yeah. God, I, I really wonder. Out of all the video game secrets of the of the last year, Nintendo's the thing I want to know the most. Where it's like, what was the plan for twenty? What are you hiding? <laughs> when we look, when we look at PlayStation and, and Microsoft, and sure, we're still seeing the repercussions on the Microsoft side, and like Halo getting delayed and all that is obviously signs of plans going awry. Yeah. But I feel like you can kind of look at those guys, and at least now things might have been pushed back a bit. But we're now seeing what the year could have looked like, would have looked like, whatever. With Nintendo, it's like there's no way this was the plan. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. The more and more I we've been talking, more and more I'm like, yeah, y'all really got nothing on the docket. Like compared to 2017 and 2018, where it was like, oh yeah, here, here, here's Zelda, here's Snipperclips, here's Arms, here's uh, Splatoon 2, here's Mario Odyssey, like here's Luigi's Man. Like, yeah, last year, like last year was Luigi's Mansion and Astro Chain and Fire Emblem and Pokemon, Pokemon and it's yeah. like, Link's what, like what's happening here? Like what's going on to where the Switch feels like it's empty, even though the last three years has been so full of life and vibrance. My understanding is. COVID hit them hard, but also it wasn't going to be a great year to begin with. Mm. And like, I think yeah. 
my suspicion is at this point bravely default is going to be delayed because i'm pretty sure that game like i played that demo that demo was not good i i feel like they were really hoping bayonetta would hit this year but it's obviously not going to at this point it's it, there's a lot of things that i think would have been great for like if everything worked out and coalesced in a nice way and I think part of it is that Nintendo hates the first half of the year. They fucking hate it. They hate releasing games from January to June. And they really maybe release like one or two and like ride that for the rest of the year. So like Animal Crossing was like fortuitous for them this time around. But they usually don't have a year-round schedule. They have a let's put out a couple of games in the first half and then let's like fucking blitz the second half. And this year they got killed because the second half, everything got delayed. Like I would bet Pokemon Snap was probably this year at one point, And now it's not. Hmm. well ladies and gentlemen that's our thoughts on the future of the nintendo switch uh stay tuned if you're a patreon.com slash kind of funny games supporter for the patreon post show which is another episode of bless who amazing amazing game show that i cannot wait to play until then Uh, who won last week that's a good question. Say, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't like we hide in this stuff and the, my yeah, stunning yeah, yeah, yeah. record here in the All background. Right. Whatever. Love you guys. Bye. Don't whatever me. <laughs>